Good morning, City Life. How are you guys doing today? Awesome. You doing good? Thank you you feeling pretty good? He's awake. Yeah, hey, today. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. Friends, I am so excited to be able to share the Word of God with you this morning. Um, uh, one of the things that I love to do, particularly when it comes to um, sermons, is that I like, I like to uh, give a little bit of my own experience in every sermon that I give. Um, either I'm going through something, um, I got some questions about something, and that's a really good way for me to study, get into the Word of God. So I hope that we all, including myself, we can all uh, open our hearts today and receive God's Word this morning. Amen? All right, friends. Um, how many of you have ever gotten, gotten into something thinking it was going to be one way, and then it was completely the opposite? Does anybody empathize with that? That you, you start something, you go into something thinking it's going to be a certain way, and then it's slightly different or majorly different. But, there's a, but, but you weren't really prepared for it, right? I, I got to say that that, that, that that happened to me when I uh, purchased my business. You know, I, I, I thought that I was going to be able to hire the, the, uh, the staffing, the correct staffing, and not be so involved with the day-to-day, but that didn't happen because staffing shortages are everywhere. So I had to spend more time on the floor, which I was not planning, and I'm like, what the heck did I get into, right? Um, but we, we, we persevere, we continue uh, going, moving forward until God does something. Now, have, who, who has grown up in church here? Okay, so many of us. For those that grew up in church, specifically if you're Latino, okay? Uh, every time they would open the book of, or the pastor would open the book of uh, Apocalypsis, Revelation, you just knew fire and brimstone was going to come down, your tail was between your legs, and if you went to a church that was really, really heavy prophetic stuff, you'd be like, God, please don't show none of the sins I'm making right now, Lord God. <laughs> but, like, can I tell you something? It's a book of Revelation. And Revelation is not a book of fear, but rather a book of hope. And the reason why it's a book of hope is because how, many, how much heartache could we have saved if, we, if something was revealed to us before it happened? We could have saved ourselves a lot of heartache if, we were, if something was revealed to us before we went through it. You could, you, could, you could prepare yourself for it. So this is the book of Revelation. So this is a book of hope. A book where God is showing us what's to, what's to happen so we can prepare ourselves, so we can know what God is doing, and that way we can align ourselves to God's plan and, and God's will. Amen? So we're gonna be, uh, uh, I'm going to be speaking today about how God is worthy. He is worthy. Say it with me. He is worthy. He is worthy. And here, when, when I just speak about how Jesus is worthy, we're going to talk about today about the specifically why is he worthy? Is he worthy in my life? How am I unworthy? And that's what we'll speak about today. We're going to go ahead and read Revelations 5, and then we'll go into the points. Amen? There's going to be up, up on your screen, or if you just want to look it up on your phone, or if you have a paper, if you're, you know, a boomer or a, a Gen X, you could get your uh, paper Bibles. Um, sorry, I'm a young adult pastor. It's just, you know. So anyway, uh, let's go ahead and read what, the, uh, what God is trying to speak to us today. Amen? It says this, 
Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, on the right hand of, the, of him who sat on the throne, a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept. Say with me, I wept. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. I yell it because there's an exclamation point there. Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. Say, has triumphed. <coughs> he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it was, as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. <coughs> And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take this scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. <coughs> In a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. The Lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out in all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on, on the sea, and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Lord God, please open our hearts today to receive your word. God, may you be able to, to reveal yourself to us. God, we know that there are many people that are struggling with sickness, struggling with debt, struggling with relationships, struggling with all kinds of different things. And Lord, we're just thankful that you never leave our side. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, friends. So as, we, as I spoke earlier... Sometimes things are not what they seem when you go into something, right? And how many of us know that life is almost never what it seems? 
Life is almost never what it seems. And that's my first point for you guys this morning. After reading the contents of the book of Revelation, specifically chapter 6 and 22, <coughs> 6 through 22, it clearly contains the totality of God's sovereign plan as it relates to the world's destiny. Now, many theologians debate on who the author of Revelation was, but many believe that it was the Apostle John at, in the island of Patmos while he was incarcerated. Now, he had these dreams or these revelations, and in chapter 6 through 22, he understood that it was clear that it was, clear that it was God's sovereign plan to re, that relates to the world's destiny. John appears to have known this, so when no one was found to break its seals, he began to weep greatly on verse 4. And many believe that he wept at the prospect of, of an indefinite postponement of God's final decisive decision. So, John had dedicated his life to, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's, in this revelation, he comes up to the basically the final act. And when he comes to the final act, no one was worthy to open the scrolls. So he wept because he had dedicated his life knowing that Jesus was doing great things, but now nobody was worthy to read or to open the final act, the, fi the final decision, the fi what God was going to do. So Jan began to, began to weep greatly, and many indicate uh, a prolonged time of mourning, though unspecified. But just when John's despair was at a tipping point, one of the 24 elders spoke to him. And told them, stop weeping. Stop weeping. Because there is somebody worthy. There is somebody worthy to break the seals. There is somebody worthy to read the inscription. There is somebody worthy that will be able to, to interpret these words in the scroll, the final act of God for our life, for, our, for, for the corporate body, which is all tribes, all tongues, all nations. Amen? So now there's a moment of hope in John. There was a moment of hope because there was somebody that was, that was worthy. And this person that was worthy was the lamb that was slain. Now, how many country folk have, do we have here? How many people are, okay, gotcha. All right, have you ever met a lamb? They don't do much. You know, you take them to the slaughter and they just happily go. They just go with you. So there's not just the fact that there's a lamb that was slain and that was and it was victorious is a is 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 a, is a dichotomy. It's 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 opposed. When does a lamb ever have victory over anything? But Jesus did this willingly. You know, we killed him, and he let it happen willingly. He understood. He understood that. There, was, there needed to be somebody who was worthy. There needed to be somebody that was sinless. There needed to be somebody that was going to be able to rescue humanity. Why? Because David couldn't rescue it. He was too full of sin. King Solomon liked his ladies. The prophets had all kinds of different things that they were struggling with. The disciples, <coughs> excuse me, the disciples 
all had sinful, a sinful nature. Uh, uh, they, they, nobody was worthy to, to, all of our blood was tainted. But there was one that was not tainted. And it was so much so that even uh, many theologians, when they, when they um, talk about uh, Peter particularly, may, many believe that Peter was crucified upside down. Do you know why? Because he knew he wasn't worthy to die like Jesus died because he was crucified as well. So we see that many times life is not what it seems. You go through situations. You go through difficult moments. And when you go through those difficult moments, there's a dead end. And you don't feel like you can go past it. You don't feel like you can do anything about it. And the truth is you can't. But there's one who's worthy to save you. There's one that's worthy to come to you. And this allows us, friends, to have grace with ourselves and allows us to have grace with each other. And here, the second point that I'm going to talk about is God's grace and power. Say it with me, God's grace and powers. And we're going to read Romans chapter 7, verse 19 through 20, uh, to the 25th, and it'll be up in the screen. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. Let me read that again. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. I keep doing. Now, if I do what I, let me read over here. Sorry, the things are too small over there. Let me read over here. Okay, let me do it again. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. So he's basically saying, I keep on doing the evil stuff, and I don't do the good stuff. So I don't, I don't do, I, I flip it around. So verse 20 says, now, if I do what I do, I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So if I find this law at work, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I, uh, I am! Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So here, the Apostle Paul is speaking, and the Apostle Paul is basically saying the things I like to do is sinful. The things I want to do are sinful. I like sin. It's, it feels good. It's wonderful. But they all got ugly consequences. So he's basically saying, the things I want to do when it comes to sin, I just don't do them. And the things that I don't want to do, I do those things. Because that's really the, the good inside of me trying to trying to come out. So Paul is basically saying this and delighting in the fact that I don't that I don't want to sin even though my flesh and everything inside me wants to do it. Because I'm thinking not just of myself, but I'm also thinking of my neighbor. Because sin, let me tell you something about sin. Sin doesn't just affect you. Sin affects the people around you. How many children have we not seen that have gone through terrible things at what, while the young while being innocent because of somebody else's sin. Do you guys get that? Do you guys understand that? 
that sin doesn't just affect you. It affects the people around you. It affects the, the, your loved ones. It affects your friends. It affects the people. It affects the church. It affects everybody. But God's grace empowers you to do better. God's grace empowers you to help your neighbor when they're struggling. To really challenge yourself into, into sin. I, I don't know how many of you, I don't want to say that. But I, I've struggled with depression. And I know some of you have struggled with depression. I don't want to uh, single you out. <laughs> but depression, one of the things about depression is that you're going through such a hard time that what you do, you just don't want to do nothing. When I'm, when I'm in, in depression mode, I go from work to the house. And then from the house, I'll just sit there and binge the office. Or I'll binge another TV show because I really just don't want to do nothing. I just want to be sit there and be numb and nobody talk to me. I'm by myself. I'm, I'm okay. But that's my sinful nature talking where I just don't want to do nothing. But instead, I do the things I don't want to do, which is find a counselor. I do the things I don't want to do, which is actually get up from the couch, stop watching and binging shows, and maybe go to the gym because I'm a little chubby. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm depressed, because I eat a lot, right? But there are disciplines that come into play. There are disciplines that come into play that help the situation get better, and God's grace is sufficient. Paul said, I have this thorn on my side. I have this thorn on my side. I've asked God to deliver me from it three times, and he doesn't. I don't know how many people can relate to that where you're just so wrapped up in your sin and so wrapped up in the things you like that are sinful that it's hard for you to just let it go. It's hard for you to just walk by faith. So what we want to do is hold on to those things and take control over your life, but control over your life is a fallacy. No one's truly in control of their life. But now submitting to God because he has great plans for you. And my last point this morning is that God's plan for, cre for creation is redemption. God's plan for, for creation is redemption. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I'll read it again. Submit yourselves. Say submit. Oh, we don't like that word, do we? Pastor Christie, in a, in, a, in, a, in a sermon that she, uh, that she gave a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago, I don't remember the time frame, but she, said, she asked us, do you think it's a good idea for children to be obedient? Do you think it's a good idea for teenagers to be obedient? Is it a good idea for adults to be obedient? You say yes because you know the answer. But when she asked that question, I was like, hmm, why? Because we like to do our own will. We like to not take any advice from nobody because we think we know better. We don't want, in, in, in our culture, in American individualism, we glorify individual thoughts and we glorify being an individual so much that we are willing to sacrifice good advice just because you want to do what you want to do. And a lot of those times when you just want to do what you want to do, you don't take advice, you don't take the consideration of others. What ends up happening is it ends up in, in disaster for yourself. 
I don't know if that's happened to you, but that's happened to me. Now, he is worthy. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. Say it with me. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Guys, we know this information, but I want to remind you. The devil has been defeated. He's been defeated. The Bible says, no formed weapon against you shall prosper. He is defeated. He is done. His, his destiny is already written. Do you guys understand that? It's, there is nothing that could come against you if we trust in Jesus because he is worthy. Now, I didn't say this, 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 this example in, in, the, in, the, in the 9 o'clock uh, service, but I remember my grandmother. My grandmother was a prayer warrior. She's a little Puerto Rican prayer warrior. She was, she was not educated. She couldn't read the Bible. She, she had a whole bunch of audio books, you know, and the cassettes. You remember the little cassettes? And she would sit there for hours and just listen to the word of God. Sit there for hours and listen to the word of God. And then you, us being the pranksters that we were, me and my cousins, so whenever we would stay with her, once in a while, because then she caught on. But once in a while, during the night, we'd be like, hey, we should tell Grandma that there's like a, a demon in the room or something. Because we knew she was so spiritual that she would react to it. So we'd wake up in the middle of the night and be like, Grandma, I think we're seeing some demons or something. She wasn't scared. We were pranking her, and we had a little laugh. But she wasn't scared. She would take it serious. She'd get up. She'd grab the oil, anointing oil. She said, let's go. Vámonos, vámonos, vámonos para acá. Vámonos para acá. En el nombre de Jesús. Te reprendo, demonio, en el nombre de Jesús. And she'd be yelling at the top of the line. My, me and my cousin would be like, ah. But she would be like, she wasn't afraid. She was like, no, 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 no. You're not going to attack my, my family. No, no, no. You're not going to attack my, my, my grandkids. No, 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 not while I'm alive. Because Jesus is worthy. He paid the price. And you're done for. And she would grab oil and she would anoint the walls. She would go to the wall, she would anoint the wall, she would grab oil and just like slap it on our foreheads. <laughs> we don't have to be afraid. And many times, friends, the difficult moments that we go through, it's not even the devil. Many times it's the consequences of our own sin. And other times it's just God wants you to go through the fire. Oh, Luis, you're telling me that he actually wants hard situations? Yes, because these hard situations make us grow. These hard situations refine us like gold. You go through the fire, you're refined by gold so that one day you can help, help your brother who's going through the same thing. And that way you can help your sister not have to go through the same exact things because he's got a brother, he's got a sister that's willing to pick them up. Willing to not, not criticize and not be this judgmental thing, but rather walk with them, speak with them in love, and challenge them. Because we all got to be challenged, right? We all have to be challenged. And these things happen because God's plan for creation is redemption. That's his plan. And why, and why do we call it gospel? Because it's good news. It's good news. People don't have to rely on, this, uh, on themselves. And frankly, friends, you don't want me to save you. 
I am really not worthy. You don't want me to be the one. Jesus, the lamb that was slain, free of sin, is worthy to save you. It's worthy to save your life. It's worthy to save your family. It's worthy to break the chains. It's worthy to be able to lift you up when you're down. He, he is worthy. He is worthy of all of this. So friends, this morning, what are some things that you're, you're, you're not, that you refuse to let go of control? What are some things in your life that you just say, ah, I'm just a little, I'm afraid to let go. I need control. I need, I need to be the one with the reins. But God's calling you and saying, let me take you where I need to take you. Because I got plans to prosper you. I got plans to lift you up. Let go of the reins. Let it go. Friends, we cannot rely on ourselves. We cannot rely on our understanding. We're going to rely on Jesus. And what are some practical ways that you can rely on Jesus? By being in community with other believers. By being in community with people that love you, that care for you, and that are going to tell you the truth. That are not just going to be there just to, you know, pat you on the back even when you're doing bad. No, somebody's going to tell you the truth. How many times has people have come to me and be like, Luis, you're messing up. Luis, what's going on? What's going on in your life? And I can just lie about it and not let go of the reins. I can just brush it off and not let go of the reins. Or I could just be truthful with myself and be truthful with others and say, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm a mess. I need God to take control. Because his plan for creation is redemption. And he wants to redeem you. So right now, friends, if you want to close your eyes and bow your heads. And I want you to think, and I want you to think deeply. Think about some of the things that you, you refuse to let go and control. Think about those, those, those places in, in, in the crevices of your heart that you just need to present to God. Maybe, you're, maybe right now you're in, not in the best of terms with your family. Maybe your brother's getting on your nerves or your sister. Or maybe God needs to do some healing in, in, with, with you and your, fa- in, in your parents. Or you and your, your sons or daughters. Many of us might be struggling with addiction. Others might be struggling with pornography. And others might be struggling with sex. Others could be struggling with all kinds of different things. And I just think deeply of what you need to let go of. Guys, I promise you, I'm willing to put my head on a block that God is coming through. He will come through. Many of the apostles died horrible deaths. But that didn't stop them from believing. That didn't stop them from seeking God. Because they knew that was, there was a bigger plan than just their lives. Father God, we come before you thanking you, Jesus, for the greatness that you are. Thanking you, Lord, that you don't leave us. That your grace is sufficient. That when we fall, you're right there to pick us back up. Like a good father, put, a, put some ointment in our, uh, on our scraped knees and teaching us the path that we should follow. God, help us to be obedient to you. Not to man, not to, not to politics, not to anything, but obedient to you. 
Help us, Lord God, and correct us because we know that you have a bigger plan in store. You are worthy to break the seals. You are worthy to read the inscription. Thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen.